in a galaxy far, far away, there has been an awakening in the Force. A new entity rising out of the shadows to be our only hope and the Star Wars Destiny website that I have been looking for. Top Deck TCG. This place is the bright center of the universe for all your gaming needs. Top Deck TCG has everything that is Star Wars Destiny. Use the promo code REBEL when checking out to receive 10% off your entire order. Now, that's a deal even the huts can get behind. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Hi, this is Ashley Eckstein, voice of Ahsoka Tano and founder of Her Universe. And you're listening to I Rebel, a Star Wars Destiny podcast. Forgery of Imperial documents. Possession of stolen property. Aggravated assault. State your name for the record. Jin Asa. We have a mission for you. I want to help. Good. The world is coming undone. Imperial flags reign across the galaxy. I fear nothing. All is as the Force wills it. Every day they grow stronger. There isn't much time. I rebel. Welcome, everyone, to I Rebel. I am your host, Jedi Geek Girl. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a very special pilot episode of I Rebel. It is a new year, and with it, we begin a new chapter of I Rebel. Before we get to the beginning of this new and exciting chapter of I Rebel, we need to send a special shout out to one of our patrons. Since this episode is a pilot episode, I want to send this episode's shout out to a longtime supporter of I Rebel, Nate. Nate, despite not playing Star Wars Destiny, still decides to continue to support us, and it is because of that that we are truly humbled. Thank you, Nate, for your support, and thank you to the rest of our patrons. It is because of you that this podcast is made possible. To find out more information about our Patreon page, including how to get a one-of-a-kind token, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Joining me for this exciting episode is a new co-host. She finished top eight at Euros 2018. She is the woman behind Laser Gaming. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sarah. Hello. Thanks for inviting me to be part of Arabelle. It's a huge honor. Thank you. The honor is all mine. I am so excited to finally have a co-host. It's nice to actually have somebody who I can be like, hey, we can talk beyond an interview because it's going to be a frequent thing. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, it'd be nice just to, you know, sort of just chat and just about general stuff about destiny rather than sort of specific drill down questions, I suppose. Exactly. I believe that while this is a new chapter and it sounds a little bit like what other podcasts are doing, I feel like we can bring something unique and I Rebel isn't going to change because we have a co-host. We might have a few episodes where it's just you and me. But I do plan on having other guests in the future, so that's going to be interesting because I never really have edited three tracks at once, so that will be exciting. Yeah, it sounds like a, it sounds like a challenge. And to be clear, there are going to be weeks where I record live or you are not going to be able to make it. So in that retrospect, it will be like what we've been doing before you came on. Yeah. 
before we dive into your reintroduction, because people may know you and your background, I would like to reintroduce you. But before we do, I want to kick this off with a new segment. How has your week been in Star Wars Destiny? So probably unlike a lot of people, I've not been playing very competitively. Regional season doesn't really start here until January, as far as I'm aware. So it's been very casual for me. My last local, we did a cube slash sealed draft. So that was a lot of fun. Apart from that, Destiny's been pretty casual. Because regionals is coming up, I've started thinking about decks, but I haven't been playing competitively yet. So I've not been sort of bogged down with tweaking decks yet. So it's just been fun Destiny for me for quite the last few weeks. It is interesting because we are in an opposite situation because right now you are kind of like relaxing. You know, you have regionals coming up, so you don't have to think about like the competitive metagame. We're over here in the States. That's basically what I've been focusing on because regionals has kicked off and I attended my first regional, which was a couple of weeks ago. So I'm constantly thinking about the metagame, but I don't have to think about it till next year. But it's interesting to see the changing landscape. So have you, you just done the one regional and you're not going to attend anymore? I don't know yet. I am going to attend the Minnesota one, that one I know for sure. I haven't decided for the Wisconsin ones because I don't know if I can afford it yet. The Illinois one, I had family, so I didn't have to worry about anything besides gas. So, Yeah, we've got two within probably about an hour, hour and a half from me. So I'll be definitely attending those two and that's probably going to be it. Speaking of which, I know a lot of people are traveling for regionals, and I know that your geography is a little bit different than us here in the States. Do you have like a area that you wouldn't travel beyond, like a certain amount of drive time? So I live on like the outskirts of London. So there's one sort of more central for me that would probably be about a train and then a tube in, which would probably take between an hour and an hour and a half, which is fine. And then there's one in a place called Woking, which is on sort of to the sort of left bottom hand side of London, which is actually a bit more convenient for me to get to. Could probably do that in about 30 to 40 minutes on the train. Anything kind of beyond that, I'd be looking at driving there sort of two hours plus. So, yeah, so I'm going to stick with those two, I think, for now. If I decide to go to more later, then I'll have to see if that's feasible. We will dive into it at a later time because I know that we both have decks that we're working on. But since we're talking about this past week, let's move into Star Wars. What have you been doing this week in Star Wars? So I finally finished Lost Stars, which I started reading in the summer. And then I just literally couldn't put it down in the summer. But then I just had a period of a couple of months where I I just didn't touch it for some reason, just got busy with work. It just got sort of put aside and I forgot about it. So I finally finished that, which was really great. And I I really enjoyed it. So people don't know, that's kind of how we get introduced to Sienna Ree. It was a really great book, and I, I recommend picking it up if you haven't done already. It is such a good book. It is actually my favorite book right now. Not only in Star Wars canon, but in Star Wars in general. I just love it to death, and I think people who read it off because of the romance are really doing themselves a disservice. Yeah, it was described as a kind of young adult type book, I suppose, because of that romantic element. But there's so many kind of references to what's going on, say, in episode four and five alongside it. You can really get excited when they kind of mention someone's name and it just all ties up really nicely. So I would say don't let that put you off. The fact that it is mostly romance. Are you planning to start another book now that you have finished that or are you taking a little bit of a break? I've put a few on my Christmas list. I have to get back to Dr. Afra 
because I started the first volume and I haven't picked that up again. So I have to get back into that. But other than that, I'll probably see what I get for Christmas and then hopefully I'll get something I can get sort of stuck into. Oh my God, Dr. Afra is so good. I know that I keep reading it. It is one of my favorites. But this week I started Shadows of the Empire, which I am excited to dive back into because that is a video game that I played over and over and over again back in the day. So I'm very familiar with the story. And I'm 100 pages in and I, I absolutely love the story. Is that canon or? It is not, but it's still good. So, Okay, brilliant. Yeah, I'll have to check that out because I've not heard of that. Yeah, it was a big media event back in the day. It was basically a movie without the film. Okay. I have to admit, I'm not very up with my non-canon because I got really into Star Wars because of Destiny in some ways. I've always watched the films and been interested in Star Wars, but it was really Destiny that drew me into this beyond the films and looking deeper into the canon. So I'm quite far behind really knowing all the ins and outs of it. I just say take your time, explore whatever you want to explore, whether it's canon or not canon. It's basically all about what you enjoy and basically the experience, not so much about if it's canon or not. Yeah, sure. All right, so let's dive right into our next segment here. Our listeners may be familiar with you, but can you give us a reintroduction of yourself, like how you got into Star Wars Destiny, what you do with laser gaming, and whatever more you want to share? Sure. So I got into Destiny pretty much on a bit of a whim, actually. I was at the UK Games Expo 2017, so that would have been when Euros was actually happening at the time. I was there as a board gamer. I've always been into, well, not always, for the last few years, I've got into board games. So I went there with my other half. We were playing games like Zombie Side, Imperial Assault, a lot of kind of miniature type board games. The only card game I sort of played a little bit of was Arkham Horror, but wasn't really into it that much. And I just sort of passed Destiny, the two original starter sets. It was quite a good deal. And I'd seen them on Board Gamer Geek. It's a website that lists like all the board games. And I sort of noticed it on there, sort of noticed the dice and thought, oh, that looks kind of fun, but didn't really look into it that much. And of course, when you're at these expos, you're kind of spending quite a bit more money than you would sort of splashing out a bit more because, you know, you're in the vibe. So, yeah, I just picked them up. I remember kind of reading the rules in the hotel room afterwards and trying to convince my boyfriend to give it a go because we bought, you know, other board games that he was far more interested in. So we didn't actually play it for probably like one to two weeks afterwards. And we just literally just both fell in love with it. Like just the whole back and forth to take an action, my take an action. Like we'd literally mostly only ever played co-op games, but this just really just drew me in. And then from there, I was down the local comic book shop buying booster packs. And I just got absolutely hooked. Absolutely. Destiny is a wonderful game and it can be very, no, not actually, it is addictive once you get into it. And with the new rules update, it seems like it's a brand new world. And I know that I was a little bit apprehensive about playing it in the regional because of Snoke, but playing Jin Cathy and it's like, I absolutely love this game and I cannot wait to play again. But, you know, I play other games, so... Yeah, so since getting into Destiny, I have to say board games have kind of fallen away a bit from me because I think a lot of board gamers are just kind of chop and change between what they're playing all the time. But with Destiny, especially if you want to get into the competitive scene, you've got to kind of stay with it. And this is just kind of just taken over. And I don't really find the time now to play board games like I used to. 
sort of destiny has just sort of taken over completely. And that's not just taking over like our gaming time, it's taking over like storage as well. I'm literally like looking at my what's supposed to be my office and I have cards and boxes everywhere. I'm in a real need of a sort out, but yeah, it's, it's just completely taken over since I picked up those two starter sets like a year and a half ago now. Playing a CCG is definitely a lifestyle. It seems like once you get into it, you know, it's, it's your life where you have to, especially if you want to keep up to date and especially if, if you are a community leader and if you want to hold tournaments and stuff like that. So I completely understand that. I used to play other card games as well. And my attention was so focused on that, like interacting with the community, staying on top of the meta, making sure I have all the cards because I'm a completionist. But even then, you want to make sure you have the cards in deck building. Deck building takes a while. I know that Destiny isn't the same as Star Wars CGG, but last night I spent three hours on Star Wars CGG. And I'm sure in Star Wars Destiny, if you want to like start a new deck, it takes like maybe a third of that time. So it definitely consumes a lot of your life. Yeah, I mean, the deck building aspect for me is one of the things I enjoy most about it. And it's one of my arguments for not fully getting into Keyforge yet, because I really like building a deck and then tweaking it and swapping out a couple of cards, see if it makes it better, see if it makes it worse. I also like finding like a card that maybe no one else would have put in. But I like to just put it in as a bit of a shock card. So when I play it, you know, your eyebrows get raised. It's kind of like finding those little cards to put in that deck. What also I like about Destiny and CCGs now is that the collectible aspect of it. I've always been into like collecting things. So I remember even at school, I used to collect, even though I didn't really like football. So when I say football, I mean soccer. I didn't even follow football, but I used to collect all the cards just because there'd be people in like this playground swapping and trying to get shinies and things to put in our football sticker packs. I've always had this aspect of liking to collect things. So it really sort of scratches that itch for me as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm the same way. I know that when I was younger, it was actually Pokemon for me because I'm that generation. So having those cards and I didn't even play the game, but you know, we we were trading and that is why I love Star Wars Destiny, not only because of the brand, but because of the collectible aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you had them there. We had a thing called Pogs, which were like um, yep. cardboard discs. Yeah, yep. so you used, to, you used to have to collect them. You used to got them in like cereal packets as well. Early 90s. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and you used to play in the playground and you could basically, if you won, you could take each other's pogs. But I don't actually remember doing that. I remember just kind of collecting them, writing out lists of what I had, what I needed and ticking them off. So, yeah, that's always been part of me and what I love to do is just collecting things. You know, back in the day, pogs was my thing. I had a big shoebox of like all the pogs that I won. I remember, you know, like playing that game on recess and like winning pogs. I don't know whatever happened to that huge shoebox. And I'm kind of sad because, you know, those are memories. Yeah, I still have a tube of, I think they're called Tazos. I think they were given free in a cereal box or something. They weren't cardboard. They were like thin plastic. And I think I nearly completed all of them. I think I still have that. Maybe one day I would hope they'd be worth something, but I really think I was clutching at straws there. No, they might not be worth anything, but you know, those are still memories and attachments that you have. Yeah, that's probably my trouble. I hold on to stuff too long. but Yeah, I definitely know the feeling. But anyway, moving into our main segment, because we have a lot to talk about here and I have not talked about it. I'm really excited to talk about it. For our main segment, we are actually going to talk about the new set because we got a new set announcement. How excited are you about this? Yeah, so it was really, really nice to see this, actually. 
usually when they drop a new set it's like a week or two after the previous one and it, it's a little bit negative feeling because it's like oh, i just literally literally just got the new set but this they left it a few more weeks maybe still a bit early but i think generally compared to what we've been used to but yeah it was it was a better time to drop it I agree. It seems like when they made this announcement, it just seemed like, for me at least, it seemed like it was just perfect. Yeah, I mean, we've had a lot of announcements this week, so I don't know if I was head of marketing, I would have dropped it right now. But yeah, I'm not going to complain. I think that when they make these announcements, that they are probably like planned like months out. Yeah, sure. All right, so let's dive right into the spoilers. Do you have any quick thoughts before we dive into the cards themselves? No, I just I just find it interesting what they picked for the starters, um, what we're seeing a third version of, some of which are quite quick after the second version, I find interesting. I agree. I thought it was kind of strange that it seems like this set, there was a lot of reprints. I think it kind of makes sense with it being a base set. They want to make sure that they use the iconic characters. But I mean, did we really need a third version of Jabba the Hutt? Yeah, so Jabba and Grievous, we're seeing a third version of literally straight after their second version, which is a little bit strange. But as you say, they kind of, I think it's important that they hit the big characters in these starter sets to draw in new new players. But yeah, I do, I do find it slightly odd. With Grievous, I give Grievous a pass because the starters are based on a theme. And with the starters not necessarily being involved in the pack, it's kind of like a free pass. So they can reprint whatever they want. If they want to make like a fourth or fifth version of Obi-Wan or Jabba, if they put them in the decks, that's fine because they are not a part of the set. It's more about the cards that are reprinted that are in the main set, like Jabba and Phasma a little bit. But I really like Phasma, so I'm going to give her a pass. Phasma looks really, really strong, actually. She's got two damage sides, that two focus, a shield and a resource. And her ability is you may resolve your trooper dice showing damage as if they were melee damage, which if you think if you compare her with like a veteran stormtrooper, you've got that three indirect side. This is three melee now. She's also got a power action, which is roll two, set aside first order stormtrooper die into your pool, set this die aside after you resolve or remove them, after they've been resolved or removed. Yeah, so you could be rolling out quite a ton of dice if you can keep Phasma around long enough. I really do like her. I don't know what you would do. I think you would almost have to run her mono red. I'm not, I'm not quite sure yet. But her ability and her die side basically comes out to the same damage as Vader without the pay side outside of modifiers on weapons or whatever. So that's pretty cool. So for two points less, yes, you're getting three less health, but your max output is the same. Yeah, I think it's like you said, I think you're going to be stuck with mono red, at least initially anyway. So that's going to kind of hinder you a little bit just to soften her down a bit, I think. Especially as she's coming out just as rotation hits. So I think going mono is going to be a little bit more tricky because it's just a limited card pull. But yeah, I think she's one to definitely watch and maybe she might even get stronger as the block goes on. And because we got her, we also got the reprint of the First Order Stormtrooper, which is a 7 cost, 7 health, 1 range, 2 range, 2 range for dollar, 1 resource, blank blank, trooper, non-unique character, which I have to say is it's so obvious to me. And I'm glad that they reprinted because isn't First Order Stormtrooper like the best non-unique character? 
yeah, like you would struggle to think what they could because characters have got so much better with their health and with their die sides. You would struggle to really pick too many out that you could say that could get reprinted. But yes, First Order Stormtrooper has been a solid character throughout the last two years. So yeah, great choice. I love that they dated the artwork. It wasn't literally just a complete straight reprint. And it's also great for people who got those Stormtrooper spot crosses just to have it still relevant. And not only that, but your spot glasses will retain their value. They won't be like, I don't know what they were at now. I think they're like at 40 but they aren't going to down to $20 because you can still use them. And I do think they want you to go mono red. I think especially with the plot advanced training, which costs two, and you can resolve your trooper die showing a blank damage as if they were indirect damage. They have a value of one neutral so they want you to go that way. So it makes me think that we're getting a reprint of the best defense. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I can see that happening. It's not a, it's not an overpowered card or a card that people would hate to be reprinted. So yeah, I can see them doing that. Because in my opinion, I think that is one of the best removal cards. Yeah, you get to remove two dice and then you take three damage. So it's not something that, you know, you're not getting away with removing two dice and not doing anything to yourself. You're just literally basically putting it on the character you want to and potentially taking a bit less damage as well. So, yeah, I think it's a really good balance card. So, yeah, I'd like to see that reprinted. It makes me think if they wanted you to go with mono red, I think they would definitely need to reprint that. But what else do you think they would need to reprint to make mono red villain, especially playable oh um imperial discipline maybe yeah yeah that sounds yeah that sounds like a good choice it's kind of hard because there's not many villain red cards that have seen a lot of play yeah I'm, I'm actually struggling to think of any off the top of my head anything i can think of is hero or neutral i'm sure there are some i do like the synchronicity that the plot events training has with phasma and a stormtrooper i think that is a made deck to have all your blanks be damaged side I think you want to go with Retribution. And I think maybe if we can get another A-cost trooper that isn't red, because those dice that you roll in with Phasma's ability, those are character dice. So through Retribution, if your opponent removes them, they take a damage. Yeah, so Phasma's going to have a massive target on her back. So if you can keep her dice in with that plot, especially like the two focus side as well. Yes, Retribution sounds like a good shout. Definitely. Do you have any last words you want to say about Phasma and Red from these spoilers before we move on? No, I don't think so. All right. So what one would you like to talk about next? Well, being a bit of a blue hero player at heart, I'd like to sort of discuss the new Obi-Wan Kenobi we have. His die sides are two melee, three melee for a resource, two focus, two shields and one resource. And his power action is resolve one of your die, showing a value of two or more, increasing its value by one. So he has 11 health and he's 1418. So he's kind of in a bit of a sticky spot point-wise, because that seems to be the tipping point between a 17-point character and an 18-point character. It turns into a more of a big little deck rather than a trying to get away of a middle-middle. So I think he's in a little bit of a tough spot there, but his power action could potentially be devastating. Increasing your die by two is just massive and uh, sorry increasing your die by one it has to be on a value of two or more so it stops you doing that resource side so unlike snoke you can't touch resource sides but yeah it could potentially be massive so you can have three focus four melee for one or three sticks 
that could really blow someone out. I really love this new Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I think what pushes him over the edge for me is actually his two-focus side. Because if you can use his power action to turn his two-focus to a three-focus, that can be a max of at least six damage, if not more. Yeah, I think your opponent really has to be focused on Obi's die. That power action could just be so devastating. Three focus is absolutely massive. It makes me wonder, is he going to get a character in this set that we haven't seen? And if he doesn't, like, what do you think can pair well with him? Because he is introduced to us with Satine, who is the Hope of Mandalore. Eight cost for a single die, ten for a double, nine health. Two interact, one focus, one focus, one resource, two resource for a dollar, which goes perfect with her power action. And her ability is, after you activate this character, you may re-roll one of your dice. I don't think that is a character that you play with him in Constructed. No, I agree. I mean, obviously in the starter, that'll be fine. And if you're a fan of Clone Wars, then they're a great pairing to put together. If you're not a fan of Clone Wars, you're probably thinking, who is she? But yeah, I don't see them being put together beyond the starter set. You know, she's she's really cheap for nine health, two focus sides and there's resource sides as well. She could end up in a vehicle deck or a hero version of five die villain. But yeah, I don't see her being paired with Obi, especially not competitively. I think right now, Bears seems like a good option, but I don't know how good hero blue is going to be after rotation. You could also do Ayla with Bit of Rivalry or the one where you basically have a highlight in the deck. But I don't know. I would hope we get a like 12 cost red or another yellow card. But those aren't bad options either. Yeah, I mean, thematically, we'd love a younger Anakin. But yeah, we're at the point now we've had a lot of Anakins. So maybe they won't do that. But thematically, that'd be really nice to see. I don't know. I think if we get a Clone Wars Anakin, I don't think he's going to be cheap. I think he will probably be mid-range. Yeah, I don't see him being 12 to fit nicely with Obi, so I think we're going to have to hold off on the dream there. Maybe it would be like a 12 cost for a single die and 14 or 15 for Elite. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that would work okay on like a theme night, but I don't see that sort of competitively going ahead on a three-die start. And obviously, this starter comes with a plot that I kind of like it not good, but I like it for what it is. If only there was like a way you can cycle through a plot. But of course, we're talking about Force Flow, which is a blue neutral two cost plot with an effect that says set this plot aside to turn a die to any side, which is kind of lackluster. But if somehow you can use it with bears, you can like turn a whole bunch of dice. So I, I don't know. I, I, I like it. It's not competitive, but you know. Yeah, this is, a, this is a starter set plot, so I think it's there as more of an introduction plot. As you said, it's not hugely good value at two, just to be able to turn a die once. So unless you can find a way for it to work with, as you said, work with Arisal or work with something else just to get you to be able to reuse that somehow, it's not great value. But, you know, it's, it's a decent plot for a starter as an introduction. It is, and the art isn't bad either. I, I think the art is phenomenal. Do you know where that's from? I do not. I think it is an independent art. Okay. I'm not sure on that, but I think it is uh, the artist taking liberty. So. Okay. Yeah, looks good. Looks good regardless. Definitely. And moving on to the next set of cards, what do you want to tackle next? Let's stay with Blue Hero and look at Mace, I think. So he has three damage sides. One melee, two melee, two melee, two focus again, and one resource. 
and his power action is look at the top four cards of your deck. You may play an upgrade from among them. Place the rest of the bottom of your deck in any order. If this upgrade was played on a Jedi, give it one shield. So we're seeing that title Jedi come into play here. So you get a shield if it's played there. So that's really nice to see them start to come up now. It is, and I really like what he brings to the table, having that tutor ability once per turn, whatever. And his point cost at 12.16 is well-costed, and his health at 11 leaves a little bit to be desired. But I do think that this is a well-rounded card that hopefully we'll see play. I know 16 is awkward for heroes right now, but his power action and, of course, his weapon, which is a three blue cost upgrade hero only, Mace Windu's lightsaber. One melee, two melee, modified. Three melee, two shield, special. Power action, spot Mace Windu to move this upgrade. And of course, specialist deal two unblockable damage to a character. Then, if that character has one remaining health, defeats it. I, I think there's definitely some synchronicity there. And I think there will be a deck there, especially if Padawan gets reprinted. Yeah, I love how his special isn't too far away from his original card. So his original card was, I think, if you had two, if your opponent had a character with two or less health, you could basically remove Mace's die to defeat them. So I love how there's a hint of that in this as well, that they haven't completely redone him. There's still that same feeling. And obviously his power actions means that you don't actually want to play this on Mace. You want to move it over to him to potentially get another activation out of it. So yeah, it's, 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 I think it's quite a strong upgrade for heroes. It's not blue only, like I think Obi's is. I'm not sure if Qui-Gon's is blue only. I don't think it is. So yeah, potentially it could be going on any partner and moving across with no restrictions. And it is a very solid die side too. So maybe there's some sort of, like I said, some synchronicity with Padawan. If Padawan gets reprinted or it binds all things. Or even if you don't get this lightsaber out, if you get like a two cost upgrade, like a shuttle, if it's shuttle gets reprinted or like an ancient or the handcrafted lightsaber, it's definitely interesting because you don't have to rely what's on your hand because you always have that ability available to you. Yeah, it's same as Luke's really, but with it being a weapon, people are going to get much more use out of it than they did with Luke's ability of being able to move over ability upgrades. Looking at him, and I know it's kind of hard right now because we don't have a lot of cards available, but if you had to make a character building with him, do you have a character in mind that you would pair with him? I'd probably go, at the moment, I'm probably thinking maybe Ayla, just as a pure high damage style deck. Because his lightsaber doesn't have that blue-only restriction, I think that maybe opens you up to exploring different colour pairings. But my instinct is to just go mono-blue and put him with Ayla at the moment until we see more cards and more character options. I think Ayla is a phenomenal choice because you have a special where you can special team. Yeah, the only thing is she's only 10 health, so that is a slight concern. Because 21 health used to be fine, but today's standards... That's a touch low, I think. Do you think maybe Yoda would be a better option? Yeah, but I could probably say that about a lot of pairings, that Yoda is a better option. I prefer the sort of more direct damage kind of style play. So I think I would pair him with Ayla as my first try. Yeah, because you can definitely go that more aggressive route with Ayla and her die sides, but Yoda, his special is so effective. Yeah, I can't deny that. I played Yoda with Luke at Galactic Qualifiers and just a sort of special chaining to Obi's lightsaber and doing that damage. So it's really powerful. 
but you never know by then Yoda might be looked at if he you know takes over from Snoke in this meta so who knows wait and see right yeah moving on to our next set of cards what set of cards would you like to talk about next should we touch on the downgrades sounds good to me yeah, so these are sort of negative things to put on your opponent. So at the moment, we've had three spoilt. So the first one is Death Mark, cost zero. It's a yellow, and it says after attached character is defeated, you may draw three cards. So I assume, I don't know if they take up a slot like an upgrade would, or they have their own. They have their own ones. They actually are supposed to be placed above the character, and you can have up to three. Okay, yeah, that makes sense with how they've designed the card with it sort of being flipped. Yeah, so board state is now probably going to get a little bit more messy. But yeah, they look interesting. I mean, the three that they've spoiled, so that was Deathmark. We've got Wanted, which is also zero cost yellow, which is after attached character is defeated, you may gain two resources. So that one seems pretty good, actually. If you can get out just in time, then that's going to feel really sweet, just gaining those two resources. The one after that is Wounded. This costs one. It's grey. Attached character has minus one health. This one looks a little bit, I don't know, it costs one, one less health. I don't see that being played too often. Maybe take it in draft, just because that one health is a bit more of a deal than it is in sort of constructive play. But I don't see that one being hugely popular. No, that that one seems like a miss. You know, you obviously have to create cards that are not going to see play to like... When you have an idea, you want to make sure that you can represent it. And sometimes when you create a card to represent that idea, it is not what it will become. It's grey as well. So, you know, it's it's a versatile card for anyone. Oh, actually, yeah. So Deathmark's actually villain. I didn't actually pick up on this at first. Wanted is neutral and wounded is neutral. I really like them, but I think you will use them, obviously, with synchronicity with other cards. But besides getting the ability... And getting a bonus for killing character, which has been stated there, like, win more cards. But if you put a bounty on a character, it kind of would deter them from putting indirect damage on them. Like, if I'm playing against Snoke after Battle Droid, and they're putting indirect damage in themselves, do they want to kill that Battle Droid and give me four resources if I can get two wanted out? Or do they just say, oh well. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I can see them coming out more in maybe trilogy decks where 30 card slot isn't such a big deal. So you can maybe find room for these. I'm not sure how much we'll see of them in standard just yet. And obviously they will have synchronicity, like the synchronicity that they have with the new Jabba, which is Jabba the Hutt Influential Kingpin. Their Jabba that we don't really need. A legendary card villain, of course. He is a 10-13-10 health. Two focus, one disrupt, one discard, one resource, two modified resource. Hello, Thrawn, an infinite. After you activate this character, you may look at the top four cards of your deck, reveal a bounty or a yellow event from among them, and add it to your hand. Place the rest of them on the bottom of your deck in any order. And of course, he is a leader scoundrel. Yeah, I'm surprised that he's a legendary, actually. For some reason, I assumed he'd be a rare. Was the last chapter a rare or a legendary? The last one was a rare, but the first one was a legendary. Okay. Yeah, so 10.13, he fills that very important slot for villains. So maybe he'll see some play on that basis. Two focus side, again, I think nearly every character we've seen spoiled has a two focus side. It definitely feels that way. I'm not sure he's my kind of character. 
but I'm sure at that point cast, someone will do something with him. I really do like him, despite me giving slack on it being a third job. I like what he brings to the table because even if you don't run bounties in your deck, which I think you'll have a reason we will see later to run them, getting a yellow event, that's a free card per turn. And we know how strong Rebel Engineer is. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point, actually. Yeah, I, I love how thematic he is with getting those bounties out. They've done a really good job making sure, just nailing him on, on this, the thematic side. And that two focus side, if you can turn Jabba's other die to a two modified resource, one die to get three resource, that's pretty strong. Yeah, it's a good job buyouts disappearing, I think, because, yeah, money ramp could be insane in this with him. Hello, infinite. Yeah, but we'll see. Pair him and Unka, you know, unless they both get plus two and infinite, and even then, you can still run them both. Yeah, so there's apparently, we have a Galactic Qualifier in April, and apparently as long as this set has dropped, there will be an infinite event. So that's not going to be a huge amount of time for them to maybe update the rules reference or to see what's really broken. So that should be very interesting. Yeah, I am definitely running this deck at my Galactic Qualifier at Adepticon because I was a huge strong card player and... I don't know. I don't know if it will do well, but I want to play that deck again because it can be a lot of fun. Well, at least for me, at least. Yeah, maybe not for your opponent. So moving on to the final set of cards, would you like to go ahead and share? Well, we've touched on Grievous, but just to kind of talk about his die sides, he's got a one ranged, two indirect, two focus again, one shield and one resource. So he is a character leader. While building your team, the point value of each droid is decreased by one. He has a power action which says reroll any number of your droid die. So he has nine health, so that's pretty low. He's costed at 912. The first thing I thought when I saw him was like, why is he ranged and indirect and not melee? That seemed quite odd for Grievous to have those die sides. But I suppose they've gone more with the fact that he's a commander. And, you know, he's got that two-focus side, and it's really about the droids doing the damage. Yeah, this is definitely, as we can see in this picture, this is not the warrior version of him. It's not the version that's going to be fighting. It's the commander. He's leading. So maybe the interact represents, like, other droids. Yeah, I mean, I can see maybe why they've done it, because we've already had two Grievouses that fill that criteria of the warrior. So this is a slight different take on him. It just feels a little bit strange to me. But yeah, he's got 9 health at 9.12, so that's not too bad. And it's really all about his ability of being able to decrease droids' points by 1. And then his power action of re-rolling is also nothing to be sniffed at either. Of course, he is not a droid himself, so you can't re-roll his dice. But this is a starter character, so they'd like you to probably to pair him with the commander droid which is also a starter character. And his text is, after you activate this character, you may activate one of your droid characters or supports. So there's going to be a lot of re-rolling in this deck. His die sides are one range, one range, plus two range, two indirect, one resource, and a blank, with a health of seven. So if you have Grievous at one die for nine, you can get this guy for seven instead of eight. So that should give you my mass is right three of these and one grievous is that right yeah if you don't have grievous elite yeah you would have one general grievous and then three commander droids 
Yeah, so I wonder what they're going to actually give you in the starter set, because usually you get two die for Grievous and then one die for your non-unique, obviously. But that would lead you quite short. And if obviously you're supposed to then play against the OB Satine version, you seem to be a little bit behind, really. It says in the article itself, opposing the forces of the Old Republic is General Grievous and two terrifying commando droids. So it looks like you're getting one General Grievous and two commando droids. Okay, that's, that's interesting that they've done that to give you three character setup, which is the first time they've done that. So that's really good, actually, because that will introduce new players to the fact you can have more than two characters if you're spending your points on lower cost characters. It is also the first time that we are getting a starter deck that is monocolor. Ah, yeah, that's true. And to go over the commando droids, the commando droids are a 8-cost, non-unique character droid with 7 health with the die side 1 range, 1 range, 2 range, that is modified, 2 indirect, 1 resource blank, and its ability is after you activate this character, you may activate one of your droid characters or support. Yeah, so it's a little bit like the battle droid where you can chain them. So, yeah, because quite good to, if you have got three or four of them out, be able to activate quite quickly. You know, I look at the health here, and I'm wondering if we will get an upgrade that is like asteroid armor, but for droids. Like, maybe you can play a, could you imagine, like, I know this would be kind of strong, but a zero cost red, uh, we'll say, villain upgrade that you would have to attach to a droid where it gets plus two health. Yeah, it sounds strong, but... I can see them doing something like that with a, maybe with a plot. I really do like the card. I like what Grievous brings to the table. I like the deck building cards like Cody and General Grievous where you bring them. Oh, and Kira too, where you bring them to the table and then your deck building rules are changed because of the character that you bring to the table. Yeah, I also like the fact that because these are starter characters as well, the fact that it's quite quick just to reintroduce people to the game and just get them excited about rolling out dice one after the other. I think that's really smart of FFG to do that. And of course, those cards were not the only cards in the article that we saw. The other card that we saw that we don't know this affiliation is another downgrade, and it's called Target Acquired. It's a one-cost downgrade, Intel, damaged character only, so the character has to be damaged, Indirect damage assigned by attached character's controller must be assigned to attached character if able. Yeah, so this seems a really good way of just controlling those indirect damage decks, making sure they're targeting the one you want to. I think this is pretty decent. I mean, it costs one. Yeah, I can see this getting some play. That will do it for all the cards that were spoiled that we know of. But before we wrap up this segment, I do want to say that it looks like we are getting Emphis Nest, possibly a Chewbacca. There is a Waddle die on the box, and we know that we are getting another Emperor Palpatine, as well as Assassin Droid and a couple other cards on the starter deck. So it looks like it's going to be a very exciting set. Yeah, I'm super happy to see Chewie on the side. I just hope it's, you know, not one of those events that they like to put on the side just to throw you off. But I think he was coming because obviously he's going to pair with New Han and they wouldn't have put him in the last set because I assume he's going to be neutral and they would have probably reached their quota of neutral characters. So, yeah, super excited to see Chewie. Barely played with the Awakening. Is it a Spirit of Rebellion, actually, I think he's from? Barely played with him. So I would love to have a Chewie that's playable. I am actually more excited for Emphis Ness because I'm a huge fan of her character. 
she's a new character that we haven't seen. And just to have her in a game, I think the designers have a lot more freedom with her than they do with Chewbacca because Chewbacca is a legendary character. We know his character. We know who he is. We know his story. With Empress Ness, all we know is her story, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but she makes a couple appearances and a couple extended canon material. I feel like they can do more. So maybe, just maybe, she is that 12-cost elite yellow character that you can put with Obi-Wan. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Do you think they will put her as neutral or... Hero. Yeah. She will be a hero because we know that Val, Beckett, and that group are villains because not only of their courage, but because if you pull out of the story, we refocus on these characters as if they were heroes. But if we look at the story objectively, they're clearly villains. And we know that Infestnet, spoiler alert, is doing what she's doing for the rebellion. And if she's doing the same thing as Saul, and if Saul is a hero, then she has to be a hero because she's not as bad as Saul is. Yeah, no, I would agree. She definitely, from just seeing Solo, not knowing any of the extended canon stuff, she would fit. Obviously, with Han, it was he's a neutral. Towards the end of the film, you would say he was a hero. So I didn't know if they were going to do something similar with her, just because we don't know what side she's on at the start. But yeah, she's always that hero character, I suppose. We just don't quite know until the end. They do the same thing with her that they did with Hordo in The Last Jedi where you think they are bad people, but once the story progresses, we find out that they're not supposed to be villains once we get more details. Yeah. All right, so that will wrap it up for the spoiler article. Do you have any last words about the set, anything that we know is coming, or the design of the box, anything? Yeah, so the design of the box is actually is really nice. They've kept with the white theme, and they've just got black text. I am actually slightly annoyed because I recently bought binders to start putting my cards in before I was putting them in shoeboxes. But I decided to buy binders and I bought all black for the Awakening block and I bought white for Legacies block. And then I took a punt thinking they would do red for this block and they haven't. So I should have really done it the other way around, done red for Legacies because of the text being red. So I'm slightly annoyed with that because I filed them all and I'm not going to redo them because that would take forever. But ultimately, yeah, I think the box art's really nice. The white look definitely has better shelf appeal, I think, than the black. So ultimately, I'm really excited for this set. I'm already kind of looking at Obi-Wan and Mace and wondering what my next mono blue deck's going to be. Because I don't see mono blue being that great in this meta. So yeah, I'm excited for potentially what that could be. I am really excited as well. I'm a little bit disappointed that the box is unread. I kind of like predicted that they were going to be red based on the lettering and the colors that they had at Gen Con. Going white again seemed a little eh. White black doesn't really stand out to me. It doesn't look terrible. But besides that, I'm really excited for the set. I cannot wait. And it should be around hopefully in time for both of our galactic qualifiers. Hopefully this drops around about early March would be good, I suppose. Yeah, I don't want it dropping too quickly because regional season will end probably about mid-February. So then it would be quite nice just to have a little bit of downtime, maybe play a few more casual games. In our local group, we do things like theme week and we've done villain versus heroes week. So it's quite nice to get a few of those kind of weeks in before we're then thinking about the new set and thinking about the release week and doing drafts. So 
I do really enjoy that sort of downtime between competitive play and then a new set dropping. It is now time to begin the wrapping up process and we are going to begin the ending process with a new segment based around the question that we had for the shotgun question. But we're going to focus on each one of us a different card from the awakening block or a card that was rotated as the set keep going that has not been reprinted that we would like to see get reprinted. So kicking this off, what card would you like to see get reprinted from the Awakening cycle? So I've kind of got two answers in the fact that I've got some cards that I've absolutely loved using in the Awakening block, but I don't necessarily think they should be reprinted because now they're maybe too strong a card. So what I mean by that is my two favorite cards from the set have been Bait and Switch, just for that awesome play that your opponent doesn't always see coming, and all in just because that could be such a blowout play and that's won me quite a few games in my time so I have a bit of a soft spot for that card but I don't think it should get reprinted because we're seeing all these two focus sides now and I think it could just be too good so my real answer to the question is probably overconfidence because I think that's a nice staple blue mitigation card and I don't think it's a card that is OP so I would like to see that to come back For me, my one card for this episode, I'm going to stick with blue and I'm going to go with Padawan. I think Padawan, you can still play in standard. And when it gets reprinted, I don't think it's too weak. I think through its ability and we just got talking about Mage Windu's lightsaber and Plo Koon will still be legal. So I feel like you can reprint Padawan and it not be out of place. Yeah, I agree with that. The only thing I would be concerned about is her seven health. We're seeing dice sides get increasingly better now, and I just wonder if Padawan could last very long compared to what we've seen her do in the past. I think maybe she'll get blown out just a bit too quickly now, but maybe not. I know it's not much, but I do think if they reprint her, they will put the Jedi title on her. So if you pair her with Mace Windu, at least you bump her up with one health, and if you decide to take shield, that would be an eight and a nine health. So. Yeah, so we saw this with the Stormtrooper. So they could reprint a card that you might think isn't that strong anymore, but they can add plots or, as we've seen with Phasma Effect, droid dice to actually make them stronger in other ways. So that's a really interesting sort of design space they're exploring now. So just because the actual card and dice aren't that strong doesn't mean other things can't affect it to make it stronger for them to now have that reason to reprint some of these characters. It definitely seems like that they will probably do it again. I don't think First Order Stormtrooper will be the only card that they do it with. Yeah, no, I agree. It's just when you try to think what characters from the Awakening block are actually still competitive, I struggle to think of too many. Balotic would be one. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I think Rookie Pilot can be reprinted. Uh, Ezra, I think you can reprint Ezra. Uh, Sienna, I think Sienna will give it. There is so many that you can go with that. I'm just going to stick with Padawan in this one, but I do think that the Awakening Block characters aren't dead. Yeah, I think maybe a lot of the high-costed characters are, because when you just when you compare them to current characters, and especially their health as well, is an issue. But a lot of those cheaper ones could probably be reprinted. I agree, and who knows, maybe you and I will pick a different character the next time we cover this in our next episode. But we have to end this episode because we had a lot to talk about. I had a lot of fun recording this pilot episode and welcome aboard, sir. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me on again. Before I let you go and we sign off, if people would like to contact you, where can they find you? So for those who don't know, I with my other half, we have a business called Laser Gaming where we create Destiny and Keyforge tokens at the moment. So you can find me on Etsy under Laser Gaming and then Facebook for Laser Gaming as well. But if you want to find me directly, I'm on Twitter under Miss Sevens. That concludes this episode of Ivy Bell. Thank you so much for tuning in. I have been one half of your host, Should I Geek Girl. She has been Sarah. And until next time, Should I Geek Girl, out. This has been Irie Bell, a Star Wars Destiny podcast. I have been your host, Jedi Geek Girl. If you would like to contact me, please send me an email at iriebelldestiny at gmail.com. And as always, may the force be with you. Bell is an independent podcast not associated with Lucasfilm, Disney, Fantasy Flight Games, or any other organization. All copyrights for Star Wars, Star Wars Destiny, and all other properties belong to the proper copyright holders.